I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smash Pop. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. It's side special time again, and this week we'll be strapping into our flying heads and vomiting assorted weaponry to unkempt savages. Yes, it's only bloody Zardos, and joining me to wonder just what the F it all means are writers of Newswipe, Kunk, and those superb Ladybird books for adults that you've all undoubtedly owned many times over, Joel Morris. Hello. And Jason Hazley. Why did you make me watch this film? <laughs> Who can be found on Twitter as Grail Frit and Jason Hazley, respectively. Just Welcome. to make clear, we are, we are keeping an open mind. Mm-hmm. Oh. Why did you make me watch this film? Aunt, justify it. Justify making me watch this film. I thought you'd enjoy it. Yeah. I wanted your opinion. I respect your opinion. I know. That's good of you, John. Yeah. It's got all, your, fav- it's got all your favourite things in it. Yeah. I mean, one thing in particular we'll get to later must have made you orgasmic when he popped up. There was a moment. Yeah. There was yeah. a moment. So we can look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. We'll look we'll, forward we'll get to, to that. that. Listen, we're going to start before the film if we can because I've yeah. got the DVD here. Yeah. Her- heritage format. And yeah. I want to read you what the sticker on the front says. It mm. says, five-star value selection, mm. which is four words which, put next to each other in that order, render themselves totally meaningless. <laughs> What's great about this DVD, which was £3, a little sticker, handwritten sticker oh, yeah, on it, I see that, yeah. uh, was bought from a, a, a market stall at, at Tynemouth Station up in the northeast. Mm. We were up there with the Vislot. Yeah. And uh, this was off a stall that... <laughs> Possibly also contain Nazi memorabilia, Iron Crosses, uh, Lugers, things like that. Uh, and is my copy of, of Zardoz. Yeah. Because um, I'd always wanted to see it. Well, I can see why it contained Nazi information. Yeah. I it's, mean, Zardoz it's, is at home. Yeah. It's quite a sort of survivalist kind of a vibe. Authoritarian, it's, isn't it? it is yeah. It's a bit... Uh, bit, bit gun-heavy. Yeah. He's in charge. But yeah, it's, um, it's a movie that I'd... 
I'd read about as a kid mm. and seen pictures from and wondered what the hell's that. So I, I, when I saw it on a, on a stall, I thought I had you to buy it. You wanted the same thing, but after you'd seen the film. Did yeah. You? What but the hell's it was, that? It's full of striking images, oddly, none of which are on the cover of the Zardoz DVD that this is. This is the same image they use on iTunes now if you download it, and it's a picture of a planet with... Sean Connery brooding over the top of it they've not chosen any of the images from the film it was almost as if they went it's quite a boring film with just some guys in an office in ties we better come up with a sexy image for the front of it they haven't chosen any of the images which would make any child want to watch Zardoz it does, it does tell you the two key things you need to know about the film though which is that it contains Sean Connery and is set on the planet Earth yeah, yeah there are yeah. clouds yeah, which, obviously there's a lot of people out there who'll go I'm fans of uh, films that are set on the planet Earth <laughs> yeah. I might watch that Especially Sean Connery fans. I mean, they'd be Sean Connery element. fans. They like films that are set on Earth. Yes, notoriously, that is a huge Venn diagram cross section. Right there. Outland. Outland. <laughs> yeah. Outland. God, I won't watch it. Film. I won't yeah. watch it. They were really glad he didn't get Moonraker. <laughs> and <he was> furious. <laughs> Absolutely. So the film begins in a very strange fashion. We meet our uh, narrator, Arthur Frayne. Yeah, in a scene that would be, in a, in a normal Hollywood film, will be added to the beginning because the film didn't make sense. Yeah. And they've added it to the beginning because the film doesn't make sense, and it makes it make less sense. Yeah. Helpful old Arthur Frayne. Arthur Frayne. He comes in and tells them that he's, he's, he wants to die, but he can't. Yeah. It's funny how you feel when you're watching this film, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will join Arthur Frayne in his world. He's floating in a, on a black background, and yeah. he's got a drawn... He looks a bit like Jim Howick from Horrible Histories, and he's got mm. a drawn-on... Uh, eyebrow, pencil, moustache, and beard. Yeah, and a beard in the shape of a liar. Yeah, or the instrument, not the person. The instrument, yeah. not the. Uh, or a person. sliced onion. He's got a little sliced onion on his drawn on his chin. Yeah, uh, imply maybe many layers to the film. And on on his head, he's wearing. He looks like my son when he's not putting his pajamas on properly, and he's put his pants on his head, mm. uh, and he's floating about. And um, it's got a whiff of experimental devised nineteen sixties theatre. Yeah, about it, which is probably not a bad steer. It's like fringe satire, isn't it? Yeah. It does. The head does say at the front, it promises that it will be most satirical, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I thought it looked like he's wearing one of those blue rubble sacks that you use when you're breaking up a pavement or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was. Oh, but it's, you're right about the the, the, the experimental bit. It, fit, it reminded me in places of. There was a, the, a, a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Peter Brook, I think, his production that we had to watch a bit of. There's a, a clip of it in Kunk on Shakespeare. And it's sort of got that wildly experimental late 60s thing and it's got it there are bits it has in common this film and has in common with um uh 2001 and the uh, the bed sitting room and head and if and it sort of feels like it's on that spectrum somewhere of you know just shaking everything up and going let's see what happens you know mm. there's a feeling that I've, you get the feeling it may have been written a few years before it came out that when he was saying, oh, one day, when I've, when I've got rid of all this deliverance nonsense, yeah. I'll get a chance to do the film that was in that drawer, that one about the floating head and Sean Connery. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is like, he's done it, but you think, oh, if this had come out in 1969, like, I don't know, Zachariah, the electric Western or something, it would, it would have felt like completely of a part with that crazy, anything goes, sort of Frank Zappery wild invention. I, I, I made a note about this, thinking the whole film looks like it's been written and directed by Hypnosis. <laughs> The people who do the Pink Floyd covers. Yes. Yeah. It's got a real 70s album. It looks like sort of the front of a Led Zeppelin album from beginning to end. It's going, if you let 
70s graphic designers like Roger Dean or someone design a whole film about the story behind the front cover of Dark Side of the Moon or Led Zeppelin's mm. Presence, this would be how unbearable that film would be. His name's Storm Thorgenson or something. Thorgenson. Yeah. yeah, but it's like it's it, it all looks like people catch fire and there's a floating pig and it's just totally what should have been the cover film is Storm Thorgenson <laughs> eating some cheese then going to bed. Yeah, it's that. It's a che- <laughs> this is this is subtitled The Cheese Dream of Storm Thorgenson Morgan <laughs> Thorgenson. Yeah. He's in yeah. he's in Noggin the Nog, isn't he? Yeah. Storm Thorgan Morganson. He yeah. is. Yeah. He is one for the kids there. The film hopefully starts with oh, there were two things that struck me from the front <laughs> crawl of the film. One is yeah. that it start, starts with a caption that says, A film by John Borman set in the year twenty two ninety three. And it was th- at that point that I thought, Okay, this oh, this is going to be a bit of a struggle, isn't it? We, we did, we, as a statement of intent, that's fairly fucking off the end. I mean this is this is proper this this film is gale force batshit. It really is. Yeah. It says high concept. We did a joke once for for the Framley Examiner, which was it was a book called an, in- an Inspector Maximum Zabonk mystery set in the first and four thousandth centuries. <laughs> we thought, yeah, you should always have historical detectives who could travel to another point in time. It's that kind of oh, I won't be able to follow this kind of vibe you get from something set in the year twenty two ninety three. Twenty two ninety three. Also, th- this does get the advantage. No one is doing the the Blade Runner thing of going, hey, the world's exactly like it was in Zardoz. This no. week's the week from Zardoz. It won't be doing that for ages. No. By which time this will have come true but boring people on Twitter will be saying in 2293 hey where are my red pants yeah. <laughs> instead of hoverboards yeah. why aren't yeah. I walking around in a massive plastic bag <laughs> we haven't even got to the red pants yet because we've just no, cut no. From- Let's go, hang on so we've got the other caption that's really yeah. impressive is, yeah. the, is, the, is the credit that says inflatables by <laughs> You don't often see that on a, on a credit roll for a film, really, do you? Yeah. No, I mean, Stack I was, night, maybe. I was yeah. sort of thinking, was there one of those in um, in the Night Garden for the? Uh, is it the Harhus? Yeah, oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sort of thinking, I must have a look and lazy see. Lazy they are. They don't do anything. They are terribly lazy. Aren't and they? also, they don't do anything. also, you, you would be if you were a giant balloon. Well, also, if you eat, you if you if you hunt Harhus as well, you think there'd be loads of meat on them, but you, the moment the arrow goes in, it's a little snack. Waste of time. Going, oh, fuck, it's helium. But you only see them at bedtime, don't you? Night Harhus. Yeah. Haven't done anything today. You don't know. They might be knackered. The, the Harhus might be working their. There's probably a Rosenberry bollocks on yeah. <laughs> What it looks like from the Harhus point of view. In fact, John Borman probably made it. Yeah. They're playing tennis and delivering soliloquies to each other yeah. while Richard Dreyfus turns up on a bus. They're working in a mine to provide stones for Macapaca. They work really hard. They're the underclass. <laughs> Is that right? Is that, yeah. that makes sense, actually. Yeah, it's a full economy. They could be mining helium, which is rare, as we know. Yeah, yeah. it is. Very rare. And highly flammable and dangerous work they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you know the better way to get helium, I'd like to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> we say to each other. So, we then meet the floating Zardos head. Big stone head. Big stone head. Good special effect. Yeah. And the moment at the beginning of the film, it's usually the thing that you've seen if you thought I will watch Zardoz. You'll have seen mm. the head. It's big uh, effect. I think it's just a it's a clever thing. It's it's a crane holding a prop. Yeah. But with forced perspective, so it looks like it's floating over the the mountains of County Wicklow. Uh, and it's Jeffrey Unsworth photographed this, who did Superman and 2001. So even at its most batshit, this film is beautifully shot, yeah. generally. Mm. The, well, hang on, though, because this is the second floating head in a matter of about a minute and a half. Yeah, one, two, Which many. would be a bit like having, uh, you know, a second Superman in the first three minutes of the film Superman. Well, I've, I told you, they've added Arthur Frame to the beginning. What's happened is that he's finished... He's finished Zardos and gone, do you know what everyone likes? A floating head. What if there were two floating heads? It's like Aliens, where they put an extra al- more aliens in. Would it be better if there was an S? Floating head, sequel, floating heads. Yeah. 
he's an extra floating hen after. How would you make a sequel to Zardos? Zardos is a Zardos is the next Zardos squared. Just put a apostrophe in. No, Zardo, and then the last Z's like a squared. But then the, Subscript. the, 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 the twist wouldn't work, would it? Yeah. Don't give away the twist. Well, no, we'll get to it. We'll get to yeah. it. We'll hang, get to hang on, was there a twist? Yeah, that's, that's one. <laughs> like if, in the Chubby Checker film. Okay, yeah. right. There's, there's a twist. Oh, right, it's okay. a big reveal. Hold my hand. Let's mm. keep going. Yeah, so uh, then the Zardos statue speaks to the uh, Brutals. Yeah, Which thugs. is Sean Connery and his mates in, in their it. red nappies. Red nappies with bandoliers. They're on the back of horses. There's a whiff of Planet of the Apes of them sort of riding along by the, by the sea with their horses with machine guns. Yeah, that's true. Um, I which I, yeah, I thought that he's obviously seen that and gone, oh, that's a good science fiction image. Mm. And they're sort of they're riding around. They've got these bandoliers on with bullets, uh, which make the the the, the sort of battle nappies mm. look a bit like mankinis. Yeah. But later on, when he takes the the, the bandoliers off and he's yeah. just got red pants and nothing else on, he looks like Stretch Armstrong, he does. the the toy. He does. And this is basically what would happen if Stretch Armstrong became a rebel. Like, he gets treated like Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> I thought he he gets as little respect in this film as Stretch Armstrong. Post. Yeah. I thought he looked like one of Carlos Santana's roadies in, <laughs> yeah. a, in a crimson man nappy. And I wonder if he gets treated better than Carlos Santana's <laughs> roadies get treated. Well, he looks like someone that would get you pregnant behind the dodgems. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He looks like he rolls his own, doesn't he? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's always he, than one. And he's got well, obviously he's he's cuz he's got David Crosby's face and 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 long <laughs> and long um pair, pigtail obelix pigtail at the mm-hmm. back. Um and then obviously he covers that up with another floating stone head. Basically they have model Zardos heads they wear that are made of a sort of like white dog shit material. Yes. That um reminds me a bit of foam shrimps. Those sweets. Shrimps. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the sweet that tastes of pink. Yeah. Made with fresh pink. Made with fresh pink. <laughs> Genuine, 100% natural pink. Well, Sean Connery's character is revealed later, his name is Zed. Yeah. Which I've been programmed to think from Police Academy. I don't know Zed from Police Academy. Bobcat Goldthwait. Is that his character? His character's called Zed. It's Zed, is he? Yeah. I don't think this is a crossover in the, in the extended universe. Might be. Is this Police Academy extended universe? It's at one point later on, he, he has a head injury, and after that, he's like, oh, no, it doesn't happen. Um, so then we get Beethoven's Seventh, sung by the Batley Town Women's Guild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get these, like, strained voices. Like they, It reminds me like they've been locked in a storm drain or something in there. Yeah, they did, out. it did. This is one of the things that made me think, it was the first thing that made me think of If, because it reminds me of that. It's countertenors, I think, who are singing this, who are men with very high voices. And it's and it reminded me of the bits of African Sanctus, David Fanshawe's piece that's in, um, uh, in If. And this music on here, this is by David Munro, isn't it, who did the music to The Devils, I think, the Ken Russell film, is that right? Well, it's yeah, got, it's yeah. got, but I mean, he's got a whiff. Again, it's another one of those things that says that this film actually reeks of things that he's seen other directors yeah. doing, mm. and has gone, okay, I want to be up there with him. He's done Deliverance, and he's been said, you can do whatever you like, and he's gone, I want to do a film that will stand the test of time, and I'll be remembered as a great director because I've done this. It's very much his stars on forty five. Yeah, it's, it's the, the best thing he can achieve with all the best bits all stuck together. Yeah, all the choruses from other people's stuff, but it's it's also him just saying, I want to be up there with these guys. I can make a big grand statement, it's like pretentious statement. I do feel that. If he were Italian or something, everyone would give it by it a lot more slack because it's British and we're not meant to be like this. It's faintly embarrassing from end to end. That's true. There is a bit at the end where the uh, where the toffs uh, the toffs are being chased, and I thought, oh, and there was and some priests as well. I think, and I thought to myself, this looks like he looks like he's t- lifted this straight out of a Fellini film. It yeah, like it could come straight out of Fellini. Oddly, it's, it's pretentious, but whereas a European director doing this is being pretentious for pretentious' sake, yeah. whereas he looks like he's pretending to be one of those directors. He's trying to make a pretentious film. Mm. 
Uh, and it's odd. I think the commentary that's on this ratty old uh, Nazi DVD. Five-star value five star, yeah, DVD. Is, is from a while ago. And he's kind of going, oh, I didn't really know what I was doing. And then I, I bought the Blu-ray. And obviously it's been released on Blu-ray since. And he's yeah. going, this is a great movie. I'm really glad it's found its audience. And you get the feeling that he was he was waiting for everyone to take it seriously. Well, Ben Wheatley's on there. Because it is unarguably visionary, whether it works or not, that he's now quite happy people are sort of saying, oh, I've got fond memories of it. Whereas a few years ago, he was kind of going, I'm really sorry I made this stupid film. And now he doesn't say that anymore. That's how the commentary to the Bugsy Malone um, DVD <laughs> starts, isn't it? It's Alan Parker saying, uh, hello, I'm Alan Parker. I'm the writer and director of this film, and I have no idea why I made this film. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think John Borman knows exactly why he made this film. Yeah. If well, this-, this is John Borman. John Borman made Hope and Glory, which is one of yeah. the best British films yeah. ever made. Yes. It is a fucking sensation. There is, there is no doubt in this that everyone who's in it is capable of doing something brilliant, mm-hmm. and everyone is trying to make something quite brilliant. Yeah. And I think what's, what's probably endearingly rubbish about it is that it keeps failing, but there's no... I can't work out whose fault it is. Because <laughs> no one in it's rubbish. No, no one's trying to make... They, they, they're aiming for something quite... I think it's that's what's funny about it, is it's aiming really high yeah. and hitting nowhere near that. So it's in, it, it's not camp, oddly, like Flash Gordon or something. No, no. It's very serious-minded. Very, it's very ethereal and strange. Yeah. Um, but then Sean Connery appears, and as we happy. talked earlier, and he shoots down the... Screen, yeah, light bulb. Yes, yes. He basically shoots the viewer. Mm. Uh, I made a note of this when I was watching the film. Five minutes fifteen. I thought, great, it's over. Um, <laughs> but apparently, it goes on for quite a bit longer than five and an a quarter hour and fifty-five minutes more. It's two yeah. hours long. This film. Yeah, it was a long, long night. It keeps it keeps stopping and then starting again, like a lot of films of this era. Yes, yeah. there's a lot of that going on. But then uh, Sean wakes up in Zylos's head. Yeah, inside the big stone head, under some grain. Under some grain, yeah. and he sees lots of naked people. In yeah. clouds, they look like they've been put in that packing material that you buy USB sticks in. That's yes. impossible to get into. Yes. I kept thinking that getting the people out of the plastic would involve stabbing them with a pair of scissors and probably killing them. So I put these basically in a teenager's head because the head is in the clouds and it's full of naked women. <laughs> oh, metaphor, Claxon. Oh, nice yeah. one. Um, the, the it's people, already the people sexy. in bags reminded me of that Ben Fogel story about when he got his drink spiked. Do you remember yeah, this? LSD. Yeah, he got his drink second spiked. Second time to mention on and this he, podcast. And he had um, and he had a terrible time out of it. And he, but he said, but but it went from it went from scary to being quite comical. I kept trying to get into bags. <laughs> ben Fogel's bag adventure. One of my favourite stories, that one. But the, the, the naked people in, in, in cling film, in yeah. cling rap. And, Dry cleaning. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Are the first sort of hint. Because there's, there's, they've sort of said, Zaldas' speech at the beginning has said, a penis oh, is yeah. evil and the I gun is good. That. Penis is, uh, he says, uh, gun is good, penis is evil because it shoots seeds and makes new life. Proper hippie stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's the first hint that you're watching science fiction. Sometimes it's a bit like Game of Thrones; is desperate to say it's for grown-ups. Yeah, and the easiest way to do that is with tits. Mm-hmm. So the moment you see naked people, you go, "Oh right, it's not, it's not the black hole. It's not ET. It's for it's, it's black hole. Be better with naked with tits. People. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Vincent had tits, metal tits. <laughs> Maximilian had big tin tits, uh, spinning tin tits. Now I'm thinking about the pool and black hole, and it would still be called the black hole. Easily done, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's this sort of adulthood and. It's everything from them saying the word penis being right at the beginning of it to him thrusting his gun up like a dick out of the corner. And you go, yeah. oh, it's kind of a sex metaphor. And this is apparently for adults. 
I wondered a bit. I mean, very naively. This this was the first time I watched this film, and it will be the only time I watch this film. I think because I I, I don't think I can watch it again and gain anything more from it than yeah. the fifty five levels of surprise and confusion that I got from watching it once. But I did think when that line came up, the the gun is good, the penis is evil. There was a bit of me going. I wonder if this is going to be trying out some feminism. Mm. Um, and in fact, about a minute and a half later, there's a, a lady with her knockers out on horseback. So that was that one went to bed pretty quickly, yeah. didn't it? That yeah. optimistic thought. No, it's 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 very much about about dicks and guns, which I suppose is interesting. Sean Connery's just this is his first first one, but one out of Bond, mm-hmm. and it's basically another masculine killer. He's a hired killer, just like he is in Bond. Where did he go from from Bond then? Diamonds are forever. Then he does a film I can't remember and then he does this but then within about a year he's, his career's got back on he can be persuaded to do anything at this point because he's out of Bond and he's quite cheap mm. and then within a year he's doing Robin and Marion and Man Who Could Be King and things. he's doing pretty good films again quite quickly after this is like a tiny wilderness did Meteor though that's 79 he got ages yeah. to go yeah yeah I know but his wilderness <laughs> did, you know, went back in the wilderness <laughs> He liked it there. He did. Can I get my nappy back on? It was warm. <laughs> I've got my wilderness nappy on. Tits in there. <laughs> um, so, so then, just as you're thinking, okay, I think I've got a foothold of what might be happening here. <laughs> Arthur Freyd appears again, and Sean shoots him. Yeah. And he basically says, "What did you do that for?" And then floats off. <laughs> he shoots him out <laughs> of Zardoz's going? mouth. Huh? He shoots him out of Zardoz's yeah, mouth. Yeah. But he basically just floats. He doesn't fall. He floats away. Yeah. And later on, they're like, where did he fall? And I'm like, he didn't fall, he floated off. He's like Sylvester Stewart in the day-to-day, isn't he? Just sort of, you know, floating above the map of Britain telling you about the weather. Yes, he is. What's odd is that it starts off at the beginning and you've got this guy with a sort of drawn-on beard, a bit like sort of Dandy Dan's moustache in Bugsy Malone. It's a very Bugsy Malone film. Mm -hmm. The drawn-on beard and moustache. And you go, well, he's not real, he's silly. And then Sean murders him. And the whole film eventually turns into a who did who killed him, how did you kill him, what was going on? You went, oh, it's a murder of someone who at the beginning yeah. was a floating head who told you this wasn't happening. Yeah. And you wonder why I wasn't quite and biting on the story. Murdered, he floated off. <laughs> he didn't fall, he floated. Yeah. So, again, what the fuck is going on at this point? Yeah, honestly? what you think at that point is that Borman could have just made him fall yeah. like a person would fall. Exactly. And you'd understand what had happened. Yeah. Since it turns out to be the inciting incident of the whole film. Yeah. But no, everything, everything's in this heightened fringe theatre devised piece. So Sean thing. lands the head. Yeah, as you would do. Nothing you're going to ever say again. Yeah. <laughs> contain those words. <laughs> and then steps into this bed, house, cottage yep. thing. Suddenly he's, it's, it's the rural France, England. Oh, it's Ireland, isn't Ireland, it? Ireland, yeah. Rural Ireland. And he finds Arthur Frayne's ring, not like that. Mm. And, he, and it's basically like a mini projector. It's a tiny aurac. And it gives him a shopping list. Of um, soap, apples, and leather, but spelt wrong. That's spelt yeah. wrong. Really. Yeah, which is like a Chippendale shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 that th- that comes up and you go, oh, language has degraded. We're in the future and stuff. Yeah. And you think, but they never do that again. No, there's no sense that that anything's thick. No, but yeah. And all I could think of at this point, every time Connery moved, because I'm not used to the visage of it yet, I just kept thinking, my eyes. Yeah. Because he's in this like gay porno version of. Pirates of the Penzance. He's like knocking around in these sort of like knee-high boots. Yes, and nappy and his uh, bandoliers. I, I kept forgetting the boots, and then every time I pulled out yeah. to, a, to a long shot, I went, "Oh, he's also got knee-high boots, kinky boots on." Yeah, and it's it's really it's what you keep thinking is he was easily persuaded to do this. 
So on paper and in a in a bar somewhere, this all sounded like a brilliant idea. Because mm. the idea that you could persuade Sean Connery, he's a very proud man mm. and was very sort of sexual and his image is so important to do this and go, it'll be fine. Borman's amazing. How did he do that? He's very nice. Maybe that's it. Did you listen to his Hope and Glory commentary? Yeah, it's great. Beautiful. It's great. Well, this, is, this is a film, though, maybe about what you can persuade people to do if you're nice. Yeah. That's a good message. Mm. Look at Excalibur as well. There's lots of people in that doing strange things. Dressed in strange ways. It's a bit like, have you ever read um, Blue Movie by Terry Southern, who wrote Easy Rider and no. Magic Christian? And it's about a director who's so respected he can make people do anything. And it feels a bit like this. He yeah. can make He can make brothers and sisters have sex on camera and things like that, and they all go, oh, it's because he's a director. Mm. It feels like Borman's in his sort of Blue Movie period here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of directors like that at the moment. Power. Yeah. Absolute power. Well, we'll come back to power later. Yeah. There's a lot of that in this film, isn't there? Isn't there, though? Isn't there, boys and girls? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Sean meets this lady, freckled lady. I can't remember her name. You probably know. She's a really good actor, isn't she? Brilliant. I couldn't take my eyes off her. Mm, Sarah terrific. something. Sarah something. And, she, and this is, she turns up and she's sort of got her hair in a sort of Handmaid's Tale sort of uh, sort of headpiece and then the yeah. next time you see her she's got Astonishing Princess Leia yeah. braids and you realise that she goes through all of Björk's stage hairstyles yes. by the end of it she's very Björk-y I and like costumes her. yeah it's, and everyone everyone he, she's the first person he sees who's from the, the elite the liberal metropolitan elite who run everything yeah this is a very accurate vision of the future isn't it it is how I imagine Britain will look having left the European Union in yeah. 2293 and she's one of the 48% she wants to remain because life's good for her yeah she doesn't know what it's like to be a British. Well, she's the great, 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 great granddaughter of a 48 percent. Well, there's lots yeah. of Brexit things in this, isn't there? Yeah, and he obviously he he's got his country back, and he's he's, he's cross. Yeah, he's one of those people who are in the real world, yeah. not not in the metropolitan liberal elite. He's not a snowflake. No, she's yeah, she's <laughs> one hell of a cuck. <laughs> and uh, he obviously meets her. She's his way into their world, and he's it's it's a sort of solid Eloy and Morlocks. Well, he that, says to her, "My name is Jed." Jed for Jardosh. <laughs> I am an exterminator. They could have spelt this. Can you do the voice? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> they, they should have spelt this like Javago with the H. All they the should have Jardosh. And then she takes him to this chamber where he's splayed out on the table like a naked model. And they download his hard drive. They download his mind. And the decor, I don't know if you notice all around the walls, it's just like nailed up naked people. It's like yeah. naked attraction. They're, they're into this. Yeah. They, they're, actually, their interior decor is... is there's that funny thing in 70s sci-fi where all the decor is very 70s like in Sleeper Star Wars it all looks like interior 70s this doesn't this looks like sort of Glastonbury or sort of hippie commune thing it's not quite 70s-y mm. you know it, they've they've got it's otherworldly but it, it seems to be I don't know uh, it feels like it feels like the kind of film that will be made by the community that's depicted in this film yes as in you can believe the liberal elite watch films like Zardoz they, they, it might be like sort of their version of, of like Amdram. They make the, maybe they made this film. I think they might have done. It would explain it. <laughs> yeah. But then we, um, she, she's trying to find out what happened to Arthur Frayne. She's trying to download his last memory. She's trying desperately to make the plot start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's saying there's something happened, and you went, but that man floated away. Yeah. She went, no, that was that was a murder. Yeah. Was it? But then he's like, the, the computer says we can't see Arthur Frayne's last memory. Computer says no. He does literally say no. That's where they got it from. <laughs> it's a Zardoz reference. Yes, it is. It's like League of Gentlemen. It's full of references it to really obscure is. films. And then they basically say, well, he's not dead because he's growing again. And then you get like this boil in the bag baby. Yeah, little. Sort of thing you'd win at a baby fun fair. It's, an, it's another foam shrimp. Yeah, it's it is. More, more foam sweet shrimps in a bag. In a cellophane bag with water in it. Yeah, it will die after a day like all those things from a fun fair do in a bag. Going down the toilet. 
Yeah. <laughs> and um, if you flush Arthur Frayne's down the toilet, they breed in the sewers. And is you that big, right? big ones climb up and bite you on the balls. But Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> then we meet one of my favourite things in the film, and this will get you you excited. Mm. John Alderton, mm. just as Cupid. Is that who he's meant to be? I don't know. He's called Friend. I yeah. don't know which friend. But I think he's supposed to be Ross. He's brilliant. Oh, he's very good. <laughs> apart from he keeps saying, could this film be more? <laughs> yeah. Uh, apart from later on where he gets his old man makeup and then he think he, I think he falls <gasps> off. The- we seem to have one, especially one half of his face appears to be older than the other. Yeah, yeah something that's not... Exp- they make quite an effort, even though this film is nonsense, to yeah. make the nonsense kind of make sense. They tell you, they're quite clear at telling you the rules of the society, even though they don't yeah. make any sense. There's not anything that happens they haven't told you is going to happen, except when they age half his face, and then he gets an old man's voice. Which it doesn't work. Weirdly, because he's a comedy actor, he's doing like sketch show acting. Mm. He's but, great. When you first meet him, he's, he's basically the... He's very cynical about everything. He's the rebel. So he's an excellent person for exposition, because he's mm. basically saying, this is all shit. Yeah, he's hand solo. giving these people blue bread. That blue bread, when it first turns up... Yeah. Because you don't realise it's blue bread, it looks like they're eating Vianetta. Like, but, like, really, really long Vianetta. Yeah. And you go, that's the 70s vision of the future, is that Vianetta would get longer. That's my vision of the future. <laughs> I, I thought that Alderton was dressed to look like a, like a 70s housewife or something. That's how he seemed to me. He looked like he was yeah. wearing a shaitel, one of those Jewish wigs, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is this, is this the point in which we branch off and talk about the police film? Well, I think we could. We could, couldn't we, really? Yeah. That seems to be it's, key it's, to... It's Important. Bond fans will love talk of uh, the police uh, film, won't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, they go to a camp. They go to a camp, yes. Yeah. Jason's seen the police film 52 or 53 times. 55 times. 55 times. Uh, and has not seen all the Star Wars trilogy or anything like that. Because because the police film is is canon, it's better. Absolutely. Yeah. Is this part of the police extended universe? I haven't seen Robocop. You haven't seen anything? No. Aliens. At the end of police does he get recruited by Zardos? Yeah. I don't like remember that. Avengers. No, Scylla Black sings a song. Oh, does she? Yeah. That's nice. She sings La 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 Lou. Oh, right. Which She's is right the... down the toilet. Yeah, uh... <laughs> Why wasn't there a Silla Black song at the end of Zardoz? It would have made sense. <laughs> it would have kept it in canon. <laughs> yeah. I hate it when they break the rules of these things. It's, Everyone knows. It sounds all over the place. It doesn't even mention please so once. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even hear the bell. It's terrible. No. Well, basically, this is what the brilliant f- if the caretaker from police sir turned up in this thing. Also, I think very oh. much the, the the brutals, the exterminators, are very much the Fen Street Gang gone rogue. They are, aren't they? Oh yeah, they are. Yeah. So Alderton, uh, he's good in this though because he turns right. up and he's supposed to be the one questioning all the pompous yeah. nonsense. Because whenever the pompous nonsense happens, which is people wafting and doing imp- interpretative dance like the OA, mm. all that stuff that goes on, you're kind of going, "Oh, this is rubbish." And at the beginning, when he turns up, he's undercutting. He's being hand solo. He's saying, "This is." rubbish I don't believe in it and and things so he's he's a welcome not a, not a comic presence but of a questioning well, presence he does so you enjoy very, him he does get that very odd performance doesn't he the renegades bit where he's sort of doing his rolling his eyes and doing his cartoon version you know and I that I, look, I looked at that and thought that's quite the wrong performance for this film it doesn't feel at all like it belongs mm. here nothing like he is in Police Sir is it no again no, Police Sir is absolutely you know his veracity he's a cup. is he's a staggering no yeah. Do you think? Do you think? I mean, again, if we watch this, we can see. Is this? This is before. This is after Bleed Sir, isn't it? In order. Uh, yes. Yeah. In terms of in terms of a chronology. So uh, is it this a prequel. Is, I'm wondering if it. I mean, obviously, it's made after. But is it? A, is it a prequel? Does it tell you where he came? Mind then you he's travelled. Twenty two ninety three, isn't it? Well, obviously, in, in the next film, you see him t- travel back in time. <laughs> To, to, ro- to, to Street. Yeah, to wrong a great... It's like Terminator, to, to change history. Oh, my yeah. God. Maybe... To, um, to stop Zardos happening. All right, so, yeah, I thought that John Alden in this is dressed like as if the makers of hair did police, sir. 
Yeah. She's got this big blonde wig on and these extravagant clothes. I could get behind that. I could get yeah. behind the whole idea of a, a, and he also a says, wig out musical by some blueser. Yeah. And he says, I kill with my looks. Yeah, mm. which is very camp, isn't it? Again, this happens a few times in, in Visions of the Future in the early 70s. Mm. Where there's this absolute conviction that the age of Aquarius yes. is going to be the one that wins. And that in the future... They'll be running. It's in Sleeper, in Woody Allen's Sleeper. The mm-hmm. idea that the hippies and the the wafty, the people from from Hair, will eventually win. Mm. And it's really funny looking at it now, going. It was minutes later that that was all just completely crushed and forgotten. Yeah, yeah. You said, didn't you? This film was a hangover from the sixties. Yeah, it feels very nineteen sixty nine, nineteen seventy. It's the kind of movie that had been funded by Apple Corps. That John Lennon would have put loads, of, like he did, gave money to Jodorowsky and people. Like, he would have given money to go visionary director. It's going to talk about war and sex, very anti-Vietnam. Could have been everything. written by Magic Alex. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Actually, it probably yeah. is written by Magic Alex. Mm. He probably did the inflatables. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take you to a Greek island, or you can give me money to make Zardos. Zardos, and they go, "What Zardos?" He says, "Just you wait." Yeah. Yeah. Are you a fan of drawn-on beards? <laughs> I've made you this radio. And giant pumice stone heads, which have evolved the uh, capacity to float, but not for their jaws to move. Uh, so Sean Connery is based in this film. He's like working class. Yeah, he's been yeah. taken in by the uh, P.G. Woodhouse book. It's a bit Lady Chatley, like they're yeah. a bit fascinated by his dirty. They call him the beast. Yeah, the yes. monster. A monster, yes, like right, monster. Yeah. Which is what's odd is that it keeps threatening, and you can see what they're thinking. It keeps threatening to be satirical or an allegory, hmm. but it doesn't quite line up with anything that's ever really happened in the world or is ever likely to really happen in the world. No. So you keep thinking, is it going to be a class allegory? And it sort of nearly is. It, but then, it it, then it jumps and it turns into something else completely. Yeah. But then we get the trial of George Saden. Yes, another who man is on with the trial pan- for transmitting negative thoughts. Aura. Yeah. Which, Which is, is the- like the hippie Nuremberg. <laughs> Exactly. It's a Truth and Reconciliation Committee. But again, it's the age of Aquarius are in charge. Yeah. It's Woodstock 1, and the worst crime is to bum people out or harsh their buzz. Yeah, exactly. But he's got his pants on his head as well. He has. He's not got a drawn-on beard. It's never explored why, at the beginning, Arthur Fraynes got a drawn-on beard. He doesn't have it again. No, he doesn't. You think that would be his look? Was this the first film with the outtakes at the front of the film? (laughs) (laughs) Like Smokey and the Bandit. Let's start with the strong stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just been shaken up, and then um, I've written here this whole sequence here where he's where they meet. We meet the apathetic. I like that. It's like he's died and gone to Waitrose Heaven. <laughs> so everybody there is getting their bread delivered. Not, yeah. not really caring. Ricardo. Yeah. I, I like the apathetics. I like as a joke. Yeah. You go. That's the kind of thing you could imagine being a sketch in mm. Monty Python or something. Yeah, that is close to the satire that was promised at the front of the film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and he wanders yeah. through, and they can't be bothered to do anything. And there's, it's uh, even the. Obviously, deeply unacceptable thing where he sort of rapes one of the apathetics. Yeah. The fact they can't be bothered at all takes all the, the sexiness or even the violence or even the titillation out of it, and it's quite a nice also, way of doing that. the renegades are, d- are daily mail readers, aren't they? Because they've got dementia and they're angry, he says. Yes, actually, the, the, the guys who are in the old people's home, which, again, is slightly upsetting. Mm. That's not a very nice scene. But it turns out that, well, we'll get there later. Yeah, but, but yeah, the renegades are angry about everything. But they don't know what. They can't remember what. No. Their memories have been wiped. That's it. They know someone's to blame. Mm. Daily Mail. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's everything in this. <laughs> Should be shown at schools. <laughs> Obviously no one will watch it. There's knockers in it though, so they enjoy it. There that. was a it was meant to be a satire of the future and it turns out that it was. Yeah. But not of twenty two thirty nine. Oh. I want to cry now. <laughs> <laughs> So then there's this John, there's a moment where John Alderton walks in and tells a backwards joke. 
which yeah. is but that ha- that happens I remember watching the first time I saw this and that happened and I went right you're doing the, the now you're just pissing about yeah, yeah he comes yeah. and he talks backwards John Alton talking backwards is a thing you tell your friends you go to the playground like you'd sort of say like the best bit of Terminator. I saw this film last night where John Alderson talks backwards and everyone wants to go and see it. But it happens at just a point where the scene before has nearly made sense. Yes. And you go, I'm getting this, I'm betting yep. in now. Yep, yep, yep. The apathetics, I get what you say, it's a social satire. Mm. Then he tells a joke, but with reversed... Again, it's Magic Alex has written this. He's, he's turned the takes backwards just because he can. I actually went back and I played backwards what he says. Did you? He says, I will one day marry Pauline Collins. <laughs> I did that once. One of the most haunting things you can do, by the way, I had a a reel-to-reel tape deck when I was a teenager, is to record the mice off Bagpuss and then slow them down. And all you can hear is Oliver Postgate pretending to be a mouse. Oliver Postgate and And Sandra Kerr. Sandra Kerr and and, uh, what's his name? John. All yeah. just singing in normal adult voices, going, we, we will fix it. It's really disturbing. So don't do that. It's oh. worse than the back masking on Stairway to Heaven. It conjures the devil, and the devil has Bagpuss's voice. Oh, no. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That's the yeah. backwards thing, though, that was uh, that was another point at which I went right. So, are we, what are we fucking Revolution Nine now, or yes, what? Or are yeah. we? Are we uh, David Lynch? That's the thing. David Lynch is. Well, he'd be like when he did that joke. He'd be like with the little bloke from Twin Peaks. He'd be his Lenny Bruce, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. Now that guy's really funny. But yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I borrowed it from him. Part of me again. You watch this, and this is this is this film is widely regarded as like, preposterous and a laughing stock. And lots of it, I kept thinking, if David Lynch did this. Mm. You'd go, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But the thing about this is at no point is it cool. Well, it, Dune feels not a million miles away yeah. this, is it? And obviously they were all into this sort of sci-fi then. It's like Jodorowsky doing uh, Star Wars. And yeah. They were all going to do like experimental French heavy metal cartoon sci-fi. Hmm. And you see, this is the version of what happens when you make that. And it's not... It's it's weird how uncool it is. It should be kind of funky and alternative and things, but it's just deeply naff. There was a point sometime around here in the film where I wrote on my notes in capital letters, is this why I don't watch Doctor Who? <laughs> I love the idea that you think this is what Doctor Who is. Though, I must admit, under Moffat, 
some of the Christmas specials have made this, li- this little sense. You sit down with your mum and dad and they go, well, like Doctor Who, it's about that man in the TARDIS. And you sit down and you go, literally none of this has made any sense if you haven't watched all of it. Mm. Maybe this is episode, this is season 12 yeah. of a long story arc of Zardoz. I want to see the rest of Zardoz. I was trying to confer some enthusiasm for it, or some, at least some sympathy for it as I was watching it. So I thought, is there a way of thinking of this film as a bit like Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds? Ooh. Is it possible mm-hmm. to go, this is, a, this is an extraordinary folly and someone definitely invested everything they had in this and but then I realised that there weren't there weren't any good songs in it. So what would actually improve is no Phil Liner jumped out and said, Eternal Tabernacle! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> actually, the word tabernacle is a very... I imagine David Essex shouting tabernacle yeah, quite well. There's, there's a lot of sort of Richard Burton-y sub-Welsh intoning when people are talking. I mean, actually, what you're, you're right there about the folly thing. I think the thing that's endearing about this, I don't think it's been made cynically. Which is always appealing. No, yeah, that's I true. think everyone that's in this true. believes in it. I don't think Sean Connery is going through the motions. No, 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 no. I don't think John Alderson thinks this is silly. He thinks no. this is art. Everyone in it is doing it totally. Charlotte Rampling is is really invested in this. The fact that it doesn't work at all is by the by. It's done totally sincerely, which is why it's so funny. I think the bit where Sean Connery basically plays that he finally has an erection, but oh. just does it with his eyes. Mm. I, that is mesmerising. I thought, fucking hell, how on earth do you do that? You know, because I, I can't act, and I talk to actors, and they either can't explain what they're doing or don't want to explain what they're doing. But mm. that, I thought, was a mesmerising bit of acting. I think they just put Charlotte Rampling in front of him. And I think it, it probably and just And he happened. went method. Yeah, he went, yeah. what I'll do is I'll get a huge lob on, but you, mean, just, you just shoot from above the nappy. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and mute the swanny whistle. Well, I thought... Thought he naturally went... <laughs> Well, that, that happens to everybody, yeah. 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 Well, I put here that the, the scene with Charlotte Rampling. You walk past a brothel at night, the noise is ridiculous. Yeah, it definitely. Is. It is. Yeah. Please think of our neighbours. Like Sounds on like films. the clangers having a fight. Yeah. <laughs> um, Charlotte Rampling delivers a, a speech about boners and yeah. trying to find a connection between stimulation and erection. And then she, the, the image she shows him initially is a woman fondling her own breasts. Yeah. Mm. And she said, this image is not stimulating him. I've just put it here, put him on a bus. <laughs> <laughs> or she could just say, stand up, give your seat up, because the vicar's just come in. Yeah. That would make it happen That as would well. happen. There's, there's lots of... They've not worked this out. They've not asked enough questions. She has, got, she has basically predicted the internet long before it's existed, because she's gone straight for the... Hardcore pornography images. Yeah. But it's the simple things at the end of the day, isn't it? See, again, a vision of the future. Yeah. Miles ahead of its time, this film. Because, you know, we're we're two clicks away from hardcore pornography. But what you want is Mm. a suggestion. All you want is a suggestion. You want imagination. Charlotte Rampling, nearly wearing some clothes over what have to be called art house breasts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which there are loads of in this film. It's absolutely, it doesn't loads. feature any bedoinging kind of carry-on style breasts. It features only art house breasts. That's right. Yeah. French new wave breasts, which are everywhere, <laughs> as yeah. a way of saying no, this isn't funny. Yeah, it's yeah. not funny. No, yeah. and no, no bras are going to ping off. <laughs> these, are, these are serious kind of yeah, sad. There's quite a lot of the men have their tits out a lot as well. Yeah, don't they? yeah. You need to a breast in this film. <laughs> Sean Connery is of all the people I don't want to see with no clothes on for a whole film Sean Connery is a very specifically hairy sort of man and also I watched Doctor No recently and realised how eroticised it is a very erotic film the reason that that, those films became a hit is there are just beautiful bodies in it Mm. he's got a terrific bodybuilder's shape and it looks like gay porn in places there's a bit where he's he's doing a die hard escape up a vent and he's all sweaty and his clothes are ripped and you think this is a film just about admiring this man's body and he's got a terrific physique and he's very 
very beautiful. Uh, and then this film is about watching that body a few years later. Yeah. When it's ha- well, what's happened to it is what happens to all our bodies. Is it's become the shape of a normal human being. I like the way he's not hidden. He's made no effort to hide his tattoo in this whatsoever. It's the Scotland Forever one. No, he's just got this tattoo on his forearm. I think it was like a panther or something shit like that. Oh, mm. right. Might not be a panther. It'd be really good if it was like a football team and it was just like just there. And the whole way through you could just see Wraith Rovers or something written. You said Arthur Frayne. <laughs> Or if it was the 007 logo. Yeah, that'd be, that'd yeah. be nice. Yeah. Yeah. If he'd had that done and then just left it on there. Yeah, I love Dr. No. <laughs> <laughs> the f- brackets, the film, not the villain. <laughs> I didn't like him very much. Those brackets. <laughs> he was about to shoot my tattoo. <laughs> so then, um, John Alderton is then uh, beset upon by the rest of the commune. Yeah, they turn on the him. monster. Mm. They turn on him. And they, they basically all stand up and start waving their hands at him. Again. And he starts shouting, I will not go to the second level. And I used to feel like that about school on Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sympathise with him. He means the loft extension, doesn't I think he? Yeah. he does. Yeah. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was like a car park. I thought he'd left his car up there and he wouldn't go up there because it smells of wee it in does. the stairwell. <laughs> man up there. Okay, there's, there's, that, there's that poster of what happens if you don't wear a seatbelt and it yeah. scares him. It is quite scary. Yeah. He gets thrown out of the community and sent to the Renegades. That frees, him up, that frees him up to make several more series of Please Sir, though. It does. Yeah. He gets knocked out, doesn't he, with mind power. And also, it does look like he's thrown out and you go, good, because that looked horrible. Mm. They kept doing sort of interpretive dance. They did. It wiggling really their boring, fingers at him. It? And it also, it, for a long time... This is, again, if anyone saw the OA, once you start interpretive dance, cut away quickly. Yeah, yeah. You don't just see the... Inter- it's, again, it's like the sex scene. You want to cut away quickly, leave it to the imagination. I don't want to see the fingers waggling. But again, it makes it feel like fringe theatre again. It's the kind of thing that would have been at the Royal Court at the time. Yes. Or in a Peter Brook production. But it did feel like he was being thrown out of a yoga group. Yeah. <laughs> they all got very angry but couldn't express it through other, other hey, method. So well, it, what does happen if a yoga group gets angry, do you think? Goes rogue. Roger. They become inflexible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst crime in yoga. We're going to become very stiff penalties. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So then, um, is this the point where Sean decides to go and save John Alderton and then we find him half man, half... He gets really angry and says, this is your fault that I'm in here. Why I've got a yeah, half an old man's face. Because their, their punishment... Uh, the plot again they, they bother to explain the plot the idea is that they've invented a future where no one gets old yeah. so if you're naughty they make you old a little bit mm. so but to get you closer to being so they, they, they're eternal but if you're naughty they, they give you three years of extra age Yeah. and they've given him loads but only for half his face it's like he's fallen asleep on the sunbed on one side but he's, they just, decided, they've just aged half of him. he's decided he's made a decision to play it as oh I've now got an old man's voice sort of thing yeah it, it's a, it, it turns that whole bit when he's in the old people's home into sort of last of the summer wine yes he's doing he's doing a sort of foggy voice but then Connery gets attacked by all of them and it's very much like he's walked into a Daily Mail comments page <laughs> after suggesting that a lesbian should host Countdown <laughs> They're, they're cross, aren't they? They, be, they looked really cross. And uh, he had to get his gun out. Which, obviously, he's... I don't know where... Because he's got the bandolier, but this, by this point, he's just got the pants on. Maybe he didn't get his gun out. Are the gun, no, because the guns are... Does the gun go in the boots, I keep forgetting? Because otherwise, where's the gun? Doing, knowing this film, probably just invisible or something. I think he puts it down the bum crack at the back. Do you reckon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he sticks his gun up his bum. It looked like a Webley. It's a big gun. Yeah. Troy doesn't sort of hide it in his hair. Yeah, maybe it goes into the, the long ponytail contains yeah, the gun. Yeah, maybe the ponytail's mm. hollow. He probably just puts it into his chest hair mm. and then you can't see it. It's lost in the thicket, the undergrowth. <laughs> That's the most... I think we'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. So then they all sang to him, we want to die, what's the trick? 
this is another one of those things where you think oh, this felt like a good idea like the idea of how would you release people if they've been given eternity and most of it was interpretive dance mm. with the cast of hair they keep saying I want it to end and you keep thinking yeah because I kind of want the film to end because I've yeah. had the good bits yeah. had the floating head yeah. Arthur, Arthur Frayne all the good bits it's quite a good bits at the beginning sort of film this once you're about half an hour and you've seen most of the fun bits and they keep saying it's going on too long I want it to stop and you think it's a bad move for a screenplay mm. to have people constantly saying when will it be over <laughs> yeah that, that was we we had that note writing something very early on when we wrote something and said well this isn't going very well is it and whoever it was who was mentoring us at the time said never put that kind of hostage of fortune in your script because you're mm. reminding people they're trapped with you in this awful story yeah and they want it to be over soon so yeah they're all asking how to how to die and you think well this is good but now the satire's broken down because that's not a thing anyone in our universe thinks Everyone's desperate to live longer. Yeah. So you think, weirdly, even though it works within the universe 2239, it's the bit at which you stop caring about their plight. Because what they want to happen is the one thing you're desperate not to happen. Yeah. They appear to have quite a nice life, apart from the yoga. So Sean, at this point, he goes back and finds the freckled lady that we liked earlier. Mm. Who's still being good at acting. Still being good at acting, and and has now relinquished her breasts for the viewing pleasure. (laughs) And uh, we get Sean's flashbacks about how he got in the head and how he became who he is. It's almost like, and they're, they're not quite revelations, they're almost like the bit of the story you should have seen in proper order at the Absolutely, beginning. Absolutely, yeah. They happened during the good bit at the beginning with the big stone head. Mm. So I'm quite happy to see that bit. But you get the nice little thing there about, you know, a man who is essentially like this killing machine is given knowledge. Obviously through the gift through of the, a ladybird I was going to say, I've written here, freed by ladybird books, which is quite... That's a beautiful thing. It is the 1963 edition of the ABC with illustrations by B.H. Robinson. You wouldn't get that anywhere else, folks. No, that's... uh, I didn't have to look that up, by the way. No, he didn't. He's literally just saying... No, no. No, And also, Sean Connery doesn't say that. No, he misses that that important point out. I mean, no, no, because come on, follow the story. At this point, he doesn't know that. No, he learns that when he gets to the credits, uh, gets to the frontispiece. Well, hang on, they've got inflatables by at the front of the film. Why can't they have Ladybird illustrations by B. H. Robinson from the 1963 edition of the? He's in a he's in a library and it's waved at him. Yeah, and I think alongside another thing that floats, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The beginning of this, which is quite good fun, I think the library bit is the best bit of the film. Yes. It's yeah. really good. And the revelation and the build to revealing what's going on and him being taunted by the books, you go, this is a proper story about yeah. a, a bestial man who's been who's been chosen and been educated. There's loads of mythic stuff in it and you go, this could be in any film. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's a properly good bit of writing and directing things. It's really fun. And it reminds you of how much of the last hour you've spent watching interpretive dance. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you were saying earlier, just as you get into the cul-de-sac of oh, this is good, it then turns your car around and drives you into a field. Oh God, the yeah. next bit is just beyond belief. Yeah. It keeps it keeps winning my affection and then slapping me in the face. But here we get the revelation of why the film is called Zardos, which I really enjoyed. I love that. Yeah. Did you know it before you first watched the film? I didn't. Because I, I knew it before I watched the film first, and I still really enjoyed the reveal of the Wizard of Oz. That yeah, I, no, I didn't know that either, and I thought I did think, that's brilliant, isn't yeah. that great? That's great. Great writing. And it's a good, it's a good thing about saying that the film is a is all about illusion and being controlled and stuff and you think somewhere in the middle of that is the core of the brilliant film you were thinking of making is in that library scene and the idea of a mask and behind the mask the man isn't there and you go this is a brilliant allegory for like control and power Mm -hmm. and you've just done yoga instead yeah Yeah. vast tracts of this movie miss that but when when it appears you go what a great 
film. So you could make the whole film just about that, but they've chosen to grab six or seven other themes and put them in here as well. It's because they had the inflatables. I yeah. think that's the problem. Once you've got the inflatables, yeah. you yeah. start putting the inflatables in too much and you forget about the big pumice stone head yeah. and the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So then Sean goes, if I've written down this correctly, Sean goes back to see the Renegades and we find out that they're not just stupid old people. They were there from the beginning. It was their idea. It was. They're the scientists who invented living forever. And here we get the most Brexit line of all. We are custodians of the past for an unknown future. (laughs) They made a simple mistake. Chilling, Mm. that line. It really is. But it's, yeah, it's about saying you want stasis. Mm. Somewhere in the muddle of this movie is quite a nice idea about how you've got to have change, you can't have stasis. Mm -hmm. And that feels, again, you're watching it, all good allegories change like 1984, yeah. when you're watching them. And I th- I felt very... There's a Metropolitan Elite, there's a 48-52. There's all that feeling of of wanting to take stupid measures to hold on to things. But it's very... It's, it's, it's a very interesting bit of the film in that you start to see again what the original idea was and why everyone wasted their time making this. Mm-hmm. It's another, the, the finding out that the scientists who invented Living Forever is another one of those flashes of classic narrative... And what's odd about this film is it's, it's before... This is science fiction before Star Wars. I read about this book, this film for the first time, in a book called Sci-Fi Now by Alan Frank that I bought. I went to see Star Wars, went, I love space films! Mm-hmm. Went to W.H. Smith and bought the first book on space films I could find. And it had been written, it just had Star Wars in it, but otherwise it was Clockwork Orange, 2001, Planet of the Apes, this, uh, uh, Solaris. It was all these very, very cerebral films. And before... George Lucas comes along and said, oh, it's just all Joseph Campbell myth. All sci-fi was about big ideas. Yeah. And now when you look back on it, you go, why isn't there more adventure and thriller in, in, in this? Hmm. But that's not what they were after. But you get these little hints of that in the sort of slightly, I don't know, terminatory idea of people planning a better future. I don't know, you get this sort of glimpse of, if you made this film now, it would all be about those scientists, it would all be about the library, it would all be about Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But weirdly, back then, you went, oh, while we're here, let's do the inflatables and the yoga and all these <laughs> other ideas I've got about, I don't know, the penis or whatever. And you threw all your ideas into the big booyah base in sci-fi rather than just doing one great story of a man who's got a mission. And weirdly, even though this is rubbish, there's something to miss in that because it's, it's so ambitious. Yeah. The hints of where it becomes like a standard sci-fi adventure movie just remind you of how much more limited science fiction got after Star Wars. Absolutely. Even though no one is wearing... No kids are wearing Zardoz baseball caps. They should be. Whereas my, I might get my son one to replace his R2-D2 one. So you You're not having that rubbish. That's You want the real thing. You can get one made, surely. I'm going to get him a little T-shirt with Charlotte Rampling's line drawing of a penis on it. And make him wear it. <laughs> You're not, you're not having. You want Ray. You want Ray, and you want Finn. You're not having that. You're having Charlotte Rampling's <laughs> line drawn dick. You're having a cock, and you're going to like it. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so then uh, the, the, we get to the point where Sean Connery gets into an inflatable and is attacked. Hey, inflatable guy. Yeah. What was his name? We didn't know, did we? Oh, I thought you got the name. Earlier, no, 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 no. Oh, I didn't okay. get the name. I just got inflatables by and was so impressed that I stopped there. Whoever yeah. the inflatables guy was, I bet he was sh- popping the corks of champagne. Oh, it's my big scene. day. <laughs> yeah, it's my big scene today. I've got uh, Sean Connery getting into one of my inflatables I've made. His wife was saying, you know, that, no, your daughter's playing at the school concert. When I can't go, <laughs> Sean Connery's climbing into an inflatable. I've got to go and, go and supervise it. I built James Bond a balloon. <laughs> it looked like a pair of tits, though, didn't it? Inflatable he got into. Yeah, it's troubling me. <laughs> yeah. So that's obviously the theme of the film. Very sexy film. It is. Wears its tits on its sleeve. 
Um, so then we get the point where Sean is hiding. At this point, he's being hunted by Charlotte Rampling on a horse. Yeah. So he hides with the apathetic people. Yeah. And they start coming to life, and they take a, a bead of his sweat and imbibe mm. it, and, and suddenly they become, they become alive. It's like panther sweat. They all get the horn. Yeah, he's he's a potent. He becomes like a musk otter. Mm. <laughs> Something that, yes. it's basically it's the lynx effect, isn't yeah. it? Basically, they all become really horny and, yeah. and weird. They all sort of start turning into the sort of people that go and see Cliff Richard, and yeah. they're all a bit quiet and weird, and then start swinging. Yeah, when Sean Connery starts getting rubbed by a shit choir, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a sort of night of living dead with the Church of England. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a um, trestle table full of cakes in the background, and they're going to take him on it yeah. and sacrifice him to a, a tea urn. Well, no, they, they come up with a great idea of putting him in a wedding dress, which will haunt me for my oh, that again. As if, as if you didn't already have the image of of Sean Connery in a crimson man nappy having a boner. You've now got him in a wedding dress. This made me think of uh, Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler in '60s Batman. Yeah, he had a really stupid, like very tight green suit covered in question marks and he said after I said this is a stupid outfit can I have another outfit and they made him one with a natty bowler hat and a suit and you get the feeling that Sean Connery went you know that stupid outfit I'm not going to wear it for the whole film and they went no no I promise there'll be a second outfit don't worry we'll get you a cool one and he much turns looser up, number for the third act <laughs> there's a wedding dress with a veil oh god and then we get everywhere everybody runs past there's someone having sex yeah from this point onwards this is the point again this is the point where you go I know when this film was made mm-hmm because again, a year later, that was not how. No, Disney would have asked for a different edit of this. I think they might have done. Yeah, yeah. Is this Disney's least successful film? <laughs> yeah, actually, it's the one where the where they did the least animation. Mm. There's, there's almost none. You did. Well, they did got rid of the see... animation department and hired the inflatables guy. This was Disney's last wish. You didn't notice <laughs> the uh, cartoon bear from Robin Hood in the background the one scene getting a blowjob <laughs> yeah. and they reused the blowjob scene from the Jungle Book for that <laughs> did yeah, they yeah. really yeah. it, they, they'd really run out of money by then wow it's all done with photocopies <laughs> one of the um, naked women on the horses was that clucking hen from Robin Hood as well. <laughs> it's, it's got the badminton whole, racket it's got the whole cast from Disney's Robin Hood wow. and Sean Connery from Robin and Marion wow just, it's a mashup. it all makes sense now <laughs> Jesus Christ. 73 was weird. It was. But then you get the point where Sean confronts the tabernacle. And I must confess, viewers, listeners, that by this point I'd had about five cans of beer. Yeah. And I wasn't really paying any attention. You need to, by the point the tabernacle appears, and you're thinking oh. it's going to be a building, and it turns out to not be a building, it's a crystal. It's like he's lost in a museum. He's literally oh. running around displays going, Tabernacle! Oh, he's, he's running around Brad Whitaker's thing from the Living Daylights, uh, from living daylights the, yeah. the museum full of peop- full of uh, statues. And yeah. then he goes, in, it's full of Bond bits, this, because he's got that from the Living Daylights, and he goes inside the crystal, and he's, the same year as Roger Moore's making Man with the Golden Gun and the Maze of Mirrors, mm. Sean Connery's lost in a Maze of Mirrors with the gun. Yeah. You're going, very, very 1970s image of your, of James Bond lost amongst mirrors. It's like he's, he's, in the ta- he's drunk in the Take Modern. Yeah. Like four pints of special <laughs> He's running around the Tate Modern shouting tabernacle. This isn't real art. My son could do this. I've got a gun in my chest hair. Kicking a typewriter over. He does stick his thumb through a Van Gogh at some point, he doesn't does, he? He does, he does. He's a proper art vandal. It looks a bit like Donald Trump from a distance, that painting as well. It's like so this orange splodge. And he sticks his thumb through, like, to make... Like, as if he's going to do, like, the little fingers through... through, through a, a children's book. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Or sticking, sticking a worm through someone's eye. That's what he does with his thumb. Well, it could happen. Yeah. Do take, take care, everybody. 
And no, no, don't try, that, this, that don't scene, try this film at home. No, guys. Do not, do not. <laughs> that scene, Some elements you can, like the boner bit, maybe. I was about to say, that scene, he could have stuck his dick through Van Gogh's eye, and that would have been completely in keeping with the film. That would have been. <laughs> Look what I'm going to do now. I could do anything. See? <laughs> I'm James fucking Bond. <laughs> I fucked Van Gogh in the eye. Oh dear. So then, what happens is, is that Sean discovers. You don't know what happens. I saw is. Of you. I saw. Of you. So you don't also, know. Like, like you, by this point in the film, I'd taken beer, mm. um, and I'd started to make notes like this piece of music is used as a, as the sig tomb for Esmond and Larby's 1988 <laughs> series Double First. <laughs> Brilliant. See, we've got all the facts here. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? These yeah. got all the relevant Zardos facts here. But then um, Sean gets a power, doesn't he? He's, get, he's got the mind power, and him and Charlotte Rampling have effectively swapped roles. Yes. Because she has become the beast. Yeah, she's, she's hunting on a horse. I hadn't noticed that, but that's, that's again, that's nearly clever. Mm. Yeah. Well, she says, I have become the beast. I didn't notice that, even though she said it. You. That's the level you of You were which... too busy thinking about Esmond and Larby, weren't you? I was. You? No, that was me. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 No, we, we'd mind-melded by that point. Yeah. Oh, I, got, I was getting a lot of interference about Esmond and Larby coming over the mind link. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so he is super, and he's got this crystal, and he walks out, and everybody goes to attack him, and then goes back... Oh, they're attacking statues in slow motion and then they go backwards. Yeah, they smash the back. statues and it gets better. Weirdly, the crystal does the same thing as in lots of 70s and 80s sci-fi. It's got all knowledge or access to all knowledge. Yeah. And I love that because it's Orac in Blake Seven's got that. And you go, yeah. that's my phone. Mm. Weirdly, I now carry something which in a 70s film would destroy the universe. Yes. Which is an information dump containing links to all other information dumps. Which it's is true. basically the thing that distracts me and stops me working now. And he can take pictures of his boners with it. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't need to stand there. Mm. Just post them in. <laughs> you can send them to the lady with the Bjork hair if That's he likes. Right. Yeah. He probably would do via Twitter. Yeah. Find out what John Alderson's backwards joke was. Yeah. Again, there's another interpretation here that perhaps even Zed is like the snake in the Garden of Eden because he gives them the fruit and then the brutals come. Yeah. And they kill everybody and they're all dead. That happens at the end and. and it's kind of that scene of like enormous violence at the end of the brutals coming. You're kind of waiting for it. Yeah, but it does have a massive so what factor. It yeah, really, it doesn't really it? does. But yeah. by that point in the film, what annoyed me with that is that at the beginning you go, I know what's going to happen. You've got this. You've got the, the liberal elite, the cucks, and you've got the the real people, the decent, hardworking, honest Britons who want their country back. And you know that the the liberal elite are going to get a proper kicking because they're just too fey and stupid. So all the way through at the beginning, you're, you're thinking, I can't wait for that to happen, because that's clearly what's happening. But by that point in the actual film, there's been a couple of quite nice ideas about other stuff. Yeah. And you, like, I think, Borman and everyone else, got distracted by those, and you forgot that you were waiting for this this sort of final showdown. And when it comes, you go, oh, I'd forgotten those guys in the shrimp heads are outside. And they rock up, and you think, oh, I was quite enjoying him getting the crystal and, and doing Zardoz and reading books and stuff and it's just it's one of those things where there's too many ideas in a film I mean a film's sinking because it's got too many ideas in it it's yeah. not a real crime but it does make it really hard to enjoy no, it's <laughs> But it is, that is true of a lot of those things I was talking about that are on that spectrum, things like If and The Bed yeah. Sitting Room, they're all really heavy with ideas, yeah. aren't they? And actually what they aren't they aren't really strong on is just a straightforward follow-through story. Yeah. Deciding which ones. Yeah. But it's, yeah. There's that feeling of, of... There was that burst of freedom in the 60s of alternative culture and things, and everyone wanted to do... You could do what you wanted, and the answer comes up is, actually, it's better if you don't do what you wanted. Mm. It's better if you do some of what you wanted and then think what the audience might want and decide they might not want all of it. And that was the lesson that, that Hollywood learned. And that, the make, and that the led makers, to Die Hard. And the makers of the Please Sir film, they also <laughs> Yeah, they learned that. It's very, yeah. very, very solid, very crisp. Well, they yeah. went on to do Hedicusing Circles, which is... 
Not the makers of the film, but I mean the writers do. The writers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. It's very, uh, I see makers as writers. The auteurs. I'm with you guys. The auteur. Yeah. yeah. So then Sean goes off with Charlotte. Has Ram- it finished? We're nearly there. Right, okay. He goes with Charlotte Rampling. Where else but to the. Because the, the Zardos head falls out of the sky at this point. I like the broken head. They, they go inside the broken bit of the head. And that's where they set up home. And again, it's another oddly, another oddly sort of Planet of the Apes thing. They end up with a big sort of statue, broken statue thing. Yeah. Ozymandias, the broken yes. statue feel. Or yes. the first series of Not Nine O'Clock News, where they all sat in a giant mouth did. and did stuff about the week's news. That was they? very Zardoz. Yeah, that was very strange. Um, so then they get the weirdest ending, where Sean and Charlotte, suddenly they walk in there, then the next second she's pregnant and yep. having a baby. And then you get wobbly this... Wobbly tummy. She has a very wobbly tummy. Very wobbly. And then you get this wonderful time-lapse of him and her sat next to each other like a Wes Anderson film. And then the baby suckling her teat. It's a bit of an American gothic. There's yeah. a couple in a painting. And then the baby just grows up and turns into a man. And then, rather than leaving it there... He goes beyond that. He goes beyond that, because then they get grey hair, long beards. Well, he does, she doesn't. And then they she turn into a, skeletons. She gets a very high forehead. He turns into cat yeah. weasel or slutty bar fast. It's really bad makeup and they don't look like them really at bad. the end because yeah. uh, it's obviously done for a quick scene and they, they turn into skeletons. Skeletons. And when, they become, when they become yeah. skeletons and it stops and you think, was the whole theme of the film, because everyone kept saying, can, can I grow old and die? Can this be over? Yeah. And you've just watched a film and you've got, it's got lots of other themes in it. At the end of it, the final statement is they've been given the release of death. Mm. It's a terrible thing after a slightly too long film that you didn't enjoy totally is to go, oh, everyone was waiting for this yeah, to end. To make the audience jealous of what's happened to the main <laughs> characters in the film. They <laughs> crumble to dust and the film, for them, the film was over. You might have to watch it again for a podcast. But all I kept thinking was that would make a great gif about waiting too long for something. Yeah, we need more Zardoz gifs. We do. Yeah. Zardoz emojis. I'll get on it. On little Zardoz emoji, little Zardoz head. Yeah. Waited Caps. in for my DPD parcel today. Yeah. Gif. Exactly. So it would work. But despite how much I'm just pretending I don't want to watch the film again, I've probably watched it about six times. And really bad films, when they're really bad, I tend to just watch once. Yeah. But I've watched this lots. There must be something in it I like. I, do, I would never say I like this film. I don't love it or anything. I think it's very it's rubbish. It's so admirable, though. But I, there's something about it that's, that every time I watch it, I really enjoy having watched it. I think I, I'm enjoying where it's aiming for, even though it falls short for most of it. I quite, There's I, like six or seven themes you can dig out of it, or, you know, interpretations of what it's about. The Alan Frank review that was in the book, Sci-Fi Now, that I read when mm. I was a kid that made me want to watch it, says at the end of it, it said, at no point in the future, even in the year 2239, will this film be regarded well. It will always be rubbish. And I, th- I think maybe that was the challenge that made me watch it in the yeah. first place. A film I'm I was sure would never have a critical reappraisal. I did have a quick look on Rotten Tomatoes this morning, oh, yeah. um, and it's got a rating of 42%, yeah, which is bad. quite a bit higher than I would have expected. Or it deserves, possibly. But no, it's... it's so it's better than Suicide Squad. <sighs> yeah. yeah. God, there are a lot of films I've not watched to the end of, mm. and I've watched Zardos five or six times. Mm. But I'd like to pitch something to you two. Yeah. I had mm. a thought on the way here. I was on uh, Holborn Station actually coming up the escalator and there was an advert for the Forty Towers dining experience and I thought <laughs> a Zardoz dining experience that would be would amazing would be amazing yeah it's, it's long bread everyone gets long blue bread long blue bread long yeah. blue bread and they throw guns at you and if they don't like you they all stand up and do their wavy yoga hands that'd be, yeah. Yeah. That'd be good yeah. and then Connery runs in with his mask on and, and the mask there you know they said they were, they, uh, they were the soft shrimp thing foam shrimp sweet yeah. things yeah foam shrimps thank you they reminded me also in design of 
uh, stormtroopers in that Star Wars film. Yeah. They've got a bit of that, haven't in they? In that Star Wars film? Yeah, you know there's that film, Star Wars. Yeah, I know, I know. There's these people in it called the stormtroopers. Yeah, but you don't have to say that Star Wars film. Well, it's but, like but, saying, you know that Wizard of Oz film? Yeah, that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. not that. Say the, the Wizard of Oz. Not that one, just, the, just that Star Wars film. They're, that, they're yes, because they've got the, the white, they're sort of shaped. Yeah. They've got a, yeah, they look like... strange sort of Pac-Man ghost shape. Yeah, you are right. There's a Greek chorus thing going on. Yeah. They're supposed to look like Greek theatrical mm. masks. And again, Clash of the Titans type thing going on. It's all very um, fringe theatre. This is the fringe theatre version of that Star Wars film. That's this yeah. is what that Star Wars film would be like if George Lucas had read more books. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine, though, I'm pitching this again to you, the end of the Zardoz Dining Experience. Oh, yeah. A 15-foot-long Violetta <laughs> with the man at the end and you have to make him get an erection. <laughs> Because <laughs> <You have to, laughs> yeah, the is floppy. Yeah. For it to be sliceable, you have, yeah. to, you have to show him. Good draw. for hen parties. Yeah, and then then very old John Alderton comes in. Half old John Alderton. Well, he'd be half in. young now, wouldn't he? <laughs> They'd have to make yeah. half of him young. Yeah. And he'd come in and go, "Would you like to hear about the making of Please, sir?" <laughs> and you'd go, "What a great night out we've had, darling. That was worth getting a babysitter for." <laughs> well, I'm sold. Um, so we're at the point of the podcast where I, uh, I go through the Bond quickfire questions. Now, spoiler alert, everybody, but Joel has already been through this. Yes. So I'm afraid you might have to be exempt from this. I will round. stand back. Um, so I'm going to ask Jason, because it'll be funny because you won't know anything. Yeah. So here we go. Who is the best Bond and what is the best Bond film? Do you know what? I really like, what's his name? Pierce Brosnan. All right. Yeah. Good. That's, I think that's the first. And the best Bond film... Uh, I'm going to say Diamonds Are Forever. Superb. Uh, who is the worst Bond and what is the worst Bond film? Worst Bond. Mm. Bob Holness on the radio. Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have a worst Bond. That would be, I, well, again, that would be a first though. I, I, don't th- I think I've only seen one of the... What's his name? Craig David? It's not yeah, Craig, Craig David, David is it? Yeah. One of the Craig David Bond yeah. films. <laughs> So he, he he's, he's my least watched Bond is Craig David. <laughs> okay, and, and what worst Bond film? Worst Bond film. One of Craig David. <laughs> one of Craig David's ones, I think. Was one on Monday? Yeah, was one on and then on the, there was a different one on Tuesday, wasn't there? Quantum of Seven Days. Quantum yeah. of Seven Days. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I haven't. I, no, I haven't seen Quantum of Solace. See, but I'm told that's the worst one, so I'll say that. Um, who would you have as James Bond next? Ooh. You can't say John Alderton. I was about to I was say, say John Alderton. Alderton. It's obviously what? John Alderton. Um, Born to the role. Peter Egan. <laughs> you know what? That's, 30 years ago, that would have been a good shout. Could still be a good shout. Bond is full of stupid names like Money Penny, Small Bone, and Good Head. Give me your best Bond lady name Nicola Bond Owen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you an extra 10 points for that one. A slow pan up the sexy body <laughs> to reach the face at the top. With her NHS glasses. Oh, are you trying to get me an erection? <laughs> Charlotte, we've worked it out. Oh dear, I enjoyed that. So, uh, give me give me your best Bond film. <laughs> Sorry. Give me your best Bond film title that you just made up. Oh, Obladee Obladar. <laughs> I'll take it. Good. <laughs> a hypothetical fist fight takes place between Simon Templer, the Saint, and James Bond 007. Who wins? Is it Roger Moore doing both roles? It's up to you because there were different variations of the Saint. So. Okay. Well, the well, I'll, I'll have Roger Moore being the Saint and Roger Moore being Bond. But in the middle of their fighting, Roger Moore, the actor and prankster, steps out of a wardrobe on set like he used to keep doing all the time, mm. and breaks the two of them up. 
and the three Roger Moores will go for lunch together. That's lovely. How's it's a draw. that? Roger is a peacemaker. Yeah. And finally, you're stranded on a desert island with Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Piers Brosnan, your favourite, and Daniel Craig. Who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt? And if it fails, who do you eat first? Devising a rescue attempt? Yeah. Mm. Now remember, there is a right answer. There is a right answer, is there? And your life depends on it. Deal or no deal. Okay, I'm going to... Okay, resource... Is he the Irish Bond? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I think Craig David is obviously um, the most resourceful one. Definitely. Because he has his weeks planned carefully yeah, in advance. Yeah. Um, and he and can then rewind. And who do we eat? Who's got the most who's got the most fat on them? They'll be the tastiest. So Right, Sean Connery in nineteen seventy four. Are we allowing for time travel in this um oh, yeah. cannibal Z- Zardos. situation Zardos. where Zardos Connery? We have to go through the vortex. That's all right. That'll warm everything up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you put them in an inflatable to keep them fresh? That'd be good. Yeah, <laughs> vac-packed. Yeah. In a giant human condom. But, well, thank you so much for joining me and us and everyone today, Jason Hazling. Thank you. And Joel Morris. Thank you very much. Uh, their books are available in the shops. And I believe you've got more coming out, haven't you? I'm afraid we have, yes. It's, it's as unstoppable as Zardoz. Thank you. Goodbye. Caution, caution. You are approaching the Great.